Roger Stone. That's who we got here today on the show with us, and it's an incredible interview. I mean, I felt like he was breaking news left and right. You have to listen to the entire interview, folks. This is the Sarah Carter Show, and I am coming to you from the beautiful studios here at Radio America in Arlington, Virginia. Again, uh, please thank you. Well, first, thank you so much for everything you've done, for listening to the podcast, making us one of the top podcasts in the country on the political side, as well as on news commentary. We've got so much going on today. Uh, There is breaking news left and right. While I was interviewing Roger Stone and talking to him, uh, Elizabeth Warren dropped out of the race, just dropped right out of the race. And Roger had a lot to say about that. Now, remember, Roger Stone is known for his political commentary. He's a political consultant for years, has been friends with Donald Trump for decades. And in fact, in 1988, he told then just citizen Donald Trump uh, that he should run for president. And he talks about that in the interview and talks about what their friendship is like and what's happened to him over the years. He also discusses how six weeks ago, and, uh, you know, it's a very emotional time for him. Obviously, he cannot talk about his case. You know, he was sentenced to 40 months uh, in prison, and um, there is a gag order on him still. Uh, It was just an atrocious, atrocious case against Roger Stone, and uh, what he and his family have been through is unheard of. Uh, I, I keep going back to the night, and I'm thinking about this right now, when they had an armada of FBI agents, you know, guns out, surrounding his home, uh, in the water behind him. I've never seen anything quite like this. You know, he's asleep. Uh, It was a big show. Somebody tipped off CNN. I mean, this was a way of intimidating everyone around President Trump and particularly Roger Stone. And it was really hard for me to believe that in the United States of America, something like this could actually happen. This is not somebody who is potentially going to flee the country. Roger Stone and his attorneys were very much cooperating and have been cooperating. Uh, So there was no reason to do this other than the fact that they wanted it, they being the FBI at the time and uh, definitely the prosecutors against Roger Stone, to send a direct message. And, And they did. And they did. They sent a direct message. But guess what? The American people aren't buying that. Uh, There's a lot of people right now pushing President Donald Trump uh, to grant a pardon uh, to Roger Stone. Who knows if he will or not, Uh, but obviously both Roger Stone and Lieutenant General Michael Flynn were swept up in this Russia hoax business, which we all know now was a complete and utter hoax, a complete and utter sham to target a duly elected president of these United States. This was something that should never, ever, ever happen again in our country. And as we know, U.S. Attorney General William Barr is now investigating, along with Prosecutor John Durham, to see what's going to happen next. Is anything going to happen? Are we going to get indictments? Is the truth ever going to come out about what happened to President Donald Trump? and to those people associated with him, and how they were set up by the FBI, by agencies that we trust, and by the intelligence community, and put our nation 
through nearly four years of hell, yes, hell, dividing our country, putting us up against one another, pitting us neighbor against neighbor, Democrat and Republican, only to find out later that the dossier was just a pile of junk that had never been verified, that, of course, President Trump was not the Manchurian candidate and was not working closely with Russia. In fact, he's been one of the toughest presidents on Russia that we have ever had. This this is important, and I want you to stay with us. I want you to listen to Roger Stone's interview. I tell you, you will not be disappointed. This interview is big. He talks about a lot of issues here. And most importantly, Roger lays out what's going to happen with Biden and Bernie Sanders, the, 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 eventual, the eventual election in November, and why he believes President Trump is going to sweep through this country and win this election over again, why he is one of the greatest presidents probably in modern political history. Uh, But there's so much more to talk about, as we know, and as we just reported to you, Elizabeth Warren has dropped out. She is now being um, wined and dined. That's the way I like to say it. People are freaking out on the news. They are. Adam, what's going on? Everyone's just trying to scramble of figuring out who first is going to back, and it's just nobody knows. Well, let me tell you this. Roger... Roger brought up a really important idea in the interview. He thinks that Bernie, and I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag right now because I want you to hear this interview. It's incredible. He thinks that Bernie Sanders should offer her the VP position, and then that would slam dunk, at least give him uh, the upper hand right now against Joe Biden. So that'll be really interesting. And he also had a lot to say about Pete Buttigieg, things that you would not believe. Roger's theory on Pete Buttigieg coming up in our interview next. But again, if you want to see the latest breaking stories, you want to hear what's going on here uh, at the Sarah Carter Show, please go to sarahacarter.com. That's sarahacarter.com. That is my website. Jenny Terror writes on the website. Logan Raddick. We have a lot of guest editorials on the website, and we try to keep up with the most important news for you, the American people. What's going on out there? And part of that was actually what happened yesterday with Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck Schumer. It was incredible. I couldn't even believe it. I mean, I I wrote the story as fast as it was being delivered by, by Senator Schumer. He was standing out in front of the Supreme Court, and he basically threatened two Supreme Court justices. Of course, you know who they are, right? I mean, who else would he be threatening? but Justices Gorsuch and Justice Kavanaugh. And I want to go through that really quick because this is all related to a case in Louisiana that basically, and and there's no decision made yet by the Supreme Court, but basically this case in Louisiana deals with abortion clinics and whether doctors uh, need to have admitting rights into hospitals in order to perform the abortion, which means that if if a woman goes into the clinic, um, she is getting an abortion, Should the doctor be qualified and have admitting rights into the hospital uh, in case something goes sideways, in case something happens uh, during the surgery uh, that the doctor could easily get the woman into a hospital? Now, opponents of this are saying that this is just another law to try to keep women and abortion clinics Shut down. Remember, Planned Parenthood gets over five hundred million a year. I think that's the the right number that we're looking at in federal 
in federal money. I mean, this is there's a lot of issues here at stake. There's a big there's a big fight over this. And with you know, and nobody knows because basically the justices have been very quiet. And in fact, Kavanaugh has asked some very poignant questions and not even the New York Times. Nobody knows what decision these justices are going to make. They're not legislating from the bench. I can tell you that. They're going to look at the law. They're going to look at the state. What are the state's rights? Is this going to change anything? Is this going to benefit the woman to be able to be admitted into a hospital if something goes wrong? Are there doctors out there performing abortions that are not qualified? You know, we got to think about all of these issues let alone the issue of abortion, which has divided our nation straight down the middle. But Chuck Schumer stood out there in front of the Supreme Court and made these direct, I don't even want to say veiled. Do you want to hear it? I yeah, it. I, I want you to play the clip. That's exactly where I was going, Adam. Go ahead. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. Wow. Wow. You have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You, you won't, won't know. know. You. Yeah, you won't know what hit you. Well, let me tell you something. And I said this on Fox News last night with Lou Dobbs, if you were all watching. One of the things that really hit me when I heard that was what happened to Congressman Steve Scalise who's the whip now in the House for the Republicans, he almost lost his life. Because there are crazy people in this world that will listen to something like that, listen to this rhetoric, and may take it upon themselves to target those people. Right now, we're looking at Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Gorsuch. This is incendiary. These words are incendiary and wrong. There is no reason that Chuck Schumer should have made those statements. But hey, remember, Chuck was right about the intelligence community when he was on Rachel Maddow's show, I believe, on MSNBC, when he said in 2017, the intelligence community is going to get you six ways to Sunday if you go after him, when he was talking about President Donald Trump. And what happened with the Russia hoax. And we saw what they tried to do to the president of the United States. So this is very serious. Very serious. Justice Roberts reprimanded the senator and rebuked his statements and said, you cannot talk this way about justices of the United States. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Censure is what's going to happen probably to uh, Senator Chuck Schumer because everybody's going after him. And that's what's going to happen to him. Because somebody needs to do something about this. This cannot be allowed to go on. Our nation has been ripped apart politically, and it's become so divisive over all of this hate from Washington. They're not solving problems for us. 
for the most part, they're just attacking one another. And it's, it's, it's unheard of. It's wrong. And honestly, it should stop. It should stop. And it should start with censuring the senator. Senator Chuck Schumer, you've got your, your battle is just getting started on Capitol Hill. Can you explain what that means, just in case anybody doesn't know what it means to be censured? So it's basically a formal letter of condemnation at the Senate. So it'll go into the record. So it doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot, considering what's been happening. And and the person that's going to do this and bring it is um, Senator Howley of Missouri. So right, this is what uh, it's on my Twitter account. Go to at Sarah Carter DC, not to the fake one. Actually, we got someone suspended. There was like a fake Sarah Carter DC out there and was trying to write people that I knew. I don't Wait, know. I want that story. You do? do I know. Do, so, we'll do it at the end. I'll, I'll do it at the end. I'll talk <laughs> about it later. But it's it was it was crazy. Jenny caught it and she reported it and it was just, it was amazing. But um, Senator Howley said, I would call on Senator Schumer to apologize, but we all know he has no shame. So tomorrow, which is today, I will introduce a motion to censure Schumer for his pathetic attempt at intimidation of SCOTUS. So that's what happened. So uh, I don't know if it's happened yet. We're going to look into it. We're going to see what the developments are. But Schumer, you know, is basically drawn the ire of his fellow senators and members of the House, particularly Republicans. I did see some craziness. With Ilhan Omar, though, her Twitter account, I mean, she was basically calling, uh, I don't even want to go there, but basically she called the justices sexual predators. So this is where we stand in America now, where all of this craziness is being spewed out by our congressional members and our senators, and uh, there's just got to be a point where this stops. We have the elections coming up in November Uh, And tonight there's going to be a big town hall with President Trump on Fox News. So that's going to be great. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that and uh, hearing those questions and answers as to what's going on. Part of that is going to be dealing with uh, coronavirus. This is probably one of our biggest issues today other than the race. I'm already out two grand. Oh, you are? How are you out? I'm a a high-end event DJ over here, and I am getting, I mean— I had very, I can't say the names of the companies, but let's just say it rhymes with PJ Maxx. Uh, <laughs> they had a huge corporate event over here. Same with Marshalls. And oh. They, the travel, you know. The, so they're uh, canceling out yeah. because, yeah, because people are afraid. Look, everybody has every reason to feel afraid. This is something new. We don't understand it. It's, but it's not something that we should be hiding in our homes over. I mean, uh, there's very real reality here. People have died. We're seeing an increase in that. I mean, even as I'm speaking, I think there's 11 people in the United States that have succumbed to the coronavirus, most of them with underlying health conditions. I see that the stores are selling out of hand sanitizers and uh, hand soaps. A four-pack of Clorox wipes is $73 on Amazon Prime. That's so crazy. I've got so much at home because I accidentally ordered too much like a few months ago. And then I they sent me like, like you know, when you make the mistake and you hit the triple box instead of the regular box. So should I just sell it on eBay? On, no, just kidding. On the black market. <laughs> the Clorox wipes. Well, if anybody needs any, just, you know, tweet at me and I'll see if I can send some to you because I've got, a, I've got enough of those. Look, I've traveled around the world. I've been in places where... Uh, 
probably there are very little doctors, a lot of diseases that aren't common here in the United States and viruses. You know, just use common sense. Just wash your hands. Don't put your hands in your mouth. Don't touch your face a lot. Try not to give hugs uh, too much. No, no kissy kissy all over the place with strangers. Not that anybody probably does that. I don't know. Uh, but just use common sense. Look, we don't have the answers to everything, and it is frightening when there's something out there that we can't even see that could possibly affect the lives of our family, our own lives, uh, you know, and especially the elderly. We haven't seen it in young children the same way. I think that was a big concern. Uh, but this virus is mutating. I have been reading stories about that. It could become stronger. It could become weaker. Uh, but we don't want to lose our minds over it. You know, the president, President Trump has done a phenomenal job at uh, keeping this virus at bay. His administration is working very diligently with the CDC in efforts to uh, find a vaccine uh, for the virus. That's something that's very important and something that's ongoing. It's not perfect, but we can't control viruses. The thing is, we can try to mitigate their spread to some extent, but we can't stop it from moving. That's just part of being a human on planet Earth. There are just things out there that we don't understand, uh, things that are very frightening. We've seen it in Africa with Ebola. We've seen it with other hemorrhagic fevers uh, that are, you know, these viruses that are far worse and and far more severe uh, than coronavirus. But I think just common sense and taking care of your children and and making sure that, you know, if, if at all, if you're feeling ill, if you're feeling sick, if you're in any area where we're seeing these outbreaks, you get to a doctor, you you see the doctor, you get your checkup, uh, let them test for the virus, see what it is. Um, somebody in my family was very sick. They were in Utah just uh, last week. Uh, they went into the clinic and they had influenza A. So it wasn't coronavirus, but it was influenza A and it you know, made them feel horrible for about a week. Um, they're doing so much better right now. So uh, we just got to use common sense here, people, and realize that, um, you know, we can't control everything. But what we can do is just take the necessary precautions to try to mitigate any kind of spread and uh, and keep up on the news. You know, I think it's important that we know what's going on. And that's something, uh, you know, I'll pass along to you. And you can let me know how you feel at, Sarah Carter, D.C. on Twitter. Let me know how you feel about this virus. I know one of the things that they're looking at right now, which is just crazy, that, you know, Chinese government is trying to push the blame on the United States. This is kind of insanity, but it's a way of them, once again, disinformation and propaganda in their own nation because they did such a terrible job of handling this virus when the Wuhan uh, virus actually broke in China they did such a terrible job of it that right now they're using propaganda in their own country, trying to blame the United States for this outbreak. It's not true. It's a bunch of lies. So you know how the Chinese operate. That's how Chinese communists operate. Now, I'm, I don't want to waste any more time. I want to get right into the Roger Stone interview. Uh, I do want to let you know that uh, he could not speak about his case. He talks about that a little bit how there is a gag order on him. And right now there are a lot of extenuating circumstances with his case. He is a very close friend of President Donald Trump. He is looking at 40 months in prison. 
Uh, it's incredible what has happened to him and his family, and his story is incredible. And remember, he is a, he is a political phenom. Uh, this is a man who truly understands American politics, can see what's going on, and can lay it out in layman's terms so that you understand what's happening. And I, I know, I really know that you're not going to want to miss this interview. This is something, I mean, I, was, I had to just sit back and listen to him because it was, it was incredible and he broke news all over the place. Roger, um, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's so great to have you on. I know you're a very busy man. There's been a lot going on in your life, so I really appreciate the time you're taking to be with us today to talk about the election and to talk about your life. I know there's a lot of things we can't talk about, but here at the Sarah Carter Show, we want to know you, we want to know what you're thinking, and we want to know where this election is headed. Um, So thank you again for being on the show. Well, Sarah, I'm really glad to be here. I can't tell you how much I enjoy your segments on Fox because you have an uncanny ability to get right to the point. And every time I watch you, I learn something that I didn't know. Oh, thank you so much, Roger. And I, I feel the same way every time I speak with you. And I know one day we'll be able to talk about everything. Right now, we're going to keep we're going to keep it real. We're going to. Oh, well, first of all, congratulations. You are great-grandfather, and I'm so excited for you and your family about this. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's really extraordinary. I have um, five grandchildren, uh, but this will be my first grandchild, a a grandson, great-grandchild, pardon me, a a great-grandson. I'm visiting uh, Akron, Ohio, where my uh, granddaughter and her husband, both solid Trump supporters, live. And, um, uh, you know, it's just a great time for us. I needed to get out of Washington. I needed to get out of Fort Lauderdale where I live. So it's a it's a nice respite. Well, it's definitely family is the most important. And I always say this over and over again. I mean, when all else can seem like it's crumbling around you, it's your family that keeps you together. It's your family that moves you forward. And you know, there's nothing better, I think, than knowing that you have another beautiful child coming into the world. And I, I just can't say congratulations to your whole family for such a wonderful uh, uh, gift, welcoming your great-grandson uh, to our world. So I'm very excited for you, and I know you're having a great time in Ohio. By the way, I love Ohio. Spend a lot of time there, did a lot of work there. The people of Ohio are just magnificent. You know, it's really extraordinary. You can't understate what you just said. When you go through a difficult ordeal, as my wife and I have been through, we have really been sustained by my daughter, Adria, my son, Scott, all of my grandchildren. They have different politics in some cases than I do, but they have all been extraordinarily supportive. Uh, And I, I just get great strength from it. I really do. Well, speaking of that, you, you there's a new HBO special coming out. Um, it's focused on you. It's a documentary. Axios uh, actually wrote about this uh, special, uh, and you talk about, you know, giving your life to Christ and how your life has changed. Can you talk a little bit about that with me? Sure. Uh, you know, I was uh, born and raised as a Catholic. Uh, I'm um, half Italian, actually half Sicilian, and half Hungarian. Uh, nice. My mother was a, was a very devout Catholic. 
and I went to church as a child every Sunday, had all my sacraments. Um, and I admit that when I went away to college, I fell away from the church. Uh, I had some wild times. I really stopped uh, attending. I, In many ways, I stopped believing. Uh, and then I would say roughly almost six weeks ago now, uh, I read that Franklin Graham was going to be in the Boca Raton, Florida, uh, and that um, he was having a revival there. And through some mutual friends, I arranged to get a brief audience with him. Uh, he was very gracious. And, you know, I kind of poured out my soul about my current ordeal and the difficulty I was going with. And I asked for his help. And he made it very clear. He said, it's not my help you need. It's God's help you need. Everything will be fine if you just turn your life over to Christ, if you just recognize that it's in his hands. And um, he gave me a Bible, and he pointed out some specific areas of the Bible, some specific sections that he thought I would benefit from reading. Uh, and uh, we then went to his revival, which was very moving, 2,000 people. Incredible. Uh, an extraordinary crowd, free, by the way. All you have to do is bring your own long chair. <laughs> the fire marshals finally had to stop people because there were just more people than there were was room for. Uh, and we got to the point in his presentation where he said, in essence, that everybody who is here today who has sinned, <laughs> who has lied or cheated or stolen or cheated on their spouse or whatever your sin may be, your soul can be cleansed today, right now. All you've got to do is stand up and witness and recognize that your life is in Christ's hand. You have to receive Christ as your Savior. Uh, and I was moved. It was very moving about, I don't know, 400 people in the crowd stood up to witness, and I was among them. Now, I've been in politics a long time. I know that there are people out there who are going to say, wow, this is a ploy. This is a head fake. Stone is posturing for sympathy uh, and so on. You know what? That doesn't bother me at all. You know why? Because he knows what's in my heart. He knows it's genuine. That's all that matters. And I cannot tell you the comfort and the solace and the strength this has given me. I'm now protected by God. Uh, I've got some very serious problems. I would love to be able to discuss with you those problems and how I feel I about them. But, unfor but unfortunately, I am under a court-imposed gag order, and I'm not, ever, I'm not able to talk about that today. Uh, but I must tell you, it's been a great experience. Uh, I'm back to the Catholic Church. I have not left my church. Uh, Father Grady at my church in uh, 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 St. Anthony's in Fort Lauderdale has been a, a very strong spiritual advisor. The Reverend Mark Burns uh, from South Carolina has been a very strong spiritual advisor, a very young and extraordinarily dynamic young evangelical preacher named Randy Coggins. I urge you to look him up on YouTube. He's 26 years old. He's a dynamo. 
Oh, I will. He's amazing. He's amazing. He's given me a lot of solid uh, advice, and I'm at peace. That's that's the bottom line. You so know, when HBO asked asked me to do this, you know, it was cheeky. They thought it was some kind of a a ploy or or so on. It didn't bother me at all. They we did have an understanding that they would not ask me any questions about my case or trial. They broke that agreement and tried several times. I simply refused to answer those questions. But we did have a good discussion about what I see as the parallels between the 1972 presidential election and the 2020 a presidential election. And, and that's what I was going to ask you about, because I know that you've been through so much. But what people don't understand is your genius when it comes to politics. You've been a longtime friend of President Donald Trump, but your career, your life uh, really is it's a staple in, in Washington as far as being a political commentator, as far as being able to see what's going to happen. So I I just found out right now as we're talking here on the Sarah Carter Show that Elizabeth Warren has just dropped out of the race. Uh, right now, I'm going to ask Adam if I don't know if he or Jenny, who's here, my producer, knows if uh, she has thrown her support behind any particular candidate right now. Do we see anything, guys? I'm, I'm getting all that information for you. I'll have that in a minute. Okay, so we're going to have that in a minute. So can explain to me what the, the comparison first, Roger. Well, let me just let's address this question while it's hot because I, I do have a thought. Okay, great. In, 19, in, in 1976, when I was working for Governor Ronald Reagan uh, in his campaign against Gerald Ford, one of the worst presidents in American history, uh, we were locked in a very close contest. The party establishment was completely with Ford, but the grassroots of the party was with Governor Reagan. Even though Governor Reagan had won a string of primaries, uh, he was behind and things did not look good. Governor Reagan then announced that Senator Richard Schweiker from Pennsylvania, a moderate Republican, would be his running mate, which changed the entire dynamic of the race. Reagan and Schweiker then campaigned as a ticket, uh, and Reagan got to the convention not only in contention, but his candidacy very much alive. Now, in the end, he lost very narrowly. And as I predicted, Gerald Ford went on to lose the election to Jimmy Carter. If I were Bernie Sanders right now, I would ask Elizabeth Warren to be my running mate. I would run as a ticket. It would revitalize Sanders' campaign. It would take whatever support Warren has, which may not be a winning hand, but it's not an insignificant hand, and you could beat back what I think is the establishment attempt to wire the nomination for Joe Biden the way they wired the nomination for Hillary Clinton. Wow. You heard it here first, folks. That is huge. That is, I mean, and it may just happen. It may just happen, Roger, because right now, Bernie, this is the second time around, and he feels, and let me know what you think about this, that the rug has been pulled out from under him. Now, Adam says he has some new information. Yeah, I'm just on NewYorkTimes.com, and obviously it just broke like minutes ago, but what we have so far is basically it says her potential endorsement is highly sought after. 
in the race, and both Mr. Sanders and former Vice President Joe Biden have spoken with Ms. Warren, uh, with Ms. Warren since Super Tuesday when the end of her campaign appeared imminent. Wow. So we, we don't know yet. So this is this is potentially really important advice. I mean, if you're Bernie Sanders and you're trying to figure out how you're going to survive this, uh, getting Elizabeth Warren on your ticket could be the way to do it, right? And uh, so I, I, we don't know where this is going from here, but it's certainly an option for him. What do you think happened here second time around for Bernie? I mean, do you just think it was genius on the part of someone in the Biden uh, camp to get Buttigieg and Klobuchar to, to drop out of the race and then throw their support behind him? Well, the words Biden and genius will never be used in the same sentence. Uh, the, uh, there is a there is a an establishment in this country. Dwight Eisenhower called them the military industrial complex. But today we refer to them as the deep state. Uh, it is a, it's a conglomeration of governmental intelligence agency, Wall Street and defense contractor entities. And they wield enormous power, enormous power. Pete Buttigieg is not the guy you think he is. He's CIA right down to his underwear. His entire career has been working for one intelligence front after another. The morning he dropped out, he had a finance committee meeting, a conference call. I have a good friend, happens to be a Buttigieg supporter, who was in that call told me at noon, Pete's in, and he's staying in. Four hours later, he was out of the race. Who wow. told him to get out? Who told him to get out? If you study his campaign finance forms, none of the money is left-wing money. It's defense contractor money. It's intelligence sources money. It's big Wall Street money. So he was a Trojan horse to begin with. Um, I'm very happy because I take an alternative view to many. I don't want to run against Bernie. I want to see the president run against Joe Biden. I think Biden is a much, much easier candidate to beat. Uh, Explain. Explain. Why do you think he's a much, much easier candidate to beat? Here is why. Joe Biden won the South Carolina primary, which sparked his comeback on the backs of African-American voters. It's clear that those African-American voters do not know that Joe Biden is personally responsible for the turbocharging of the war on drugs. Now, I've written three books on Richard Nixon, and I've said in all three of them that the war on drugs was his largest single mistake. The war on drugs has been an ignominious, expensive, racist failure. But the harsh mandatory penalties for possession of small amounts of drugs in a nonviolent first-time offense is legislation of Joe Biden. Joe Biden used to call it the Biden bill. It was actually the 1994 crime bill. He actually got in a shouting match with a voter in New Hampshire because he continues to insist this was a good idea. It was not a good idea. It was a terrible idea. Let me put it another way. So the African-American community, the black community, doesn't really understand this, doesn't really know this. The media is not reporting this. Right. But after Donald Trump spends millions of dollars on urban radio, they will know. Right. Targeting black voters in this country in order to communicate with them is one of the most efficient things you can do. Now, in a perfect world... 
Joe Biden would take Kamala Harris as his running mate. Then you would have the two people on the ticket who have incarcerated more poor black people than anybody in America other than Bill and Bill. Oh, that is a killer issue, a killer issue. By the way, Joe Biden got his start in politics by opposing the desegregation of the Wilmington school system. This idea that Joe's been out there for civil rights is completely and totally false. Then there's the question of the systematic lynching of black men in southern Delaware while his son, Bo Biden, was the attorney general, which Biden refused to call what it is. Racial discrimination, racial violence, and lynching. No, Joe Biden has done nothing for black people in this country other than lock them up. Now, let's juxtapose that. Who is the president who got us sentencing reform? Who is the president who realized the problem caused by the unfair war on drugs and gave people a second chance at life, who let people out of prison who were there for ridiculously long sentences for nonviolent crimes that hurt no one? Why, that would be President Donald Trump. Yes, that's a debate I want to have. Well, Joe, is this you locked him up, you locked him up, I let him out. Well, and that's and and that is a debate that needs to be had because I think overall we've seen of of course unemployment go down, especially for Black Americans, Latino Americans, all across the board, military veterans, disabled veterans under President Trump. And I was speaking to some folks yesterday, actually in the green room at Fox. Uh, one of the things they said, some people that were out at some rallies. Uh, with Joe Biden said that there were, you know, African-American people in the community, the black community was saying, well, look, he was the vice president to President Barack Obama. He took a lot of arrows for him. Uh, We're going to show our support for him. At least that was some of the people that they spoke to. And they said, but wait a minute, is the message not getting across what President Trump has been doing? And I think it is. I mean, we're seeing it move. We're seeing a shift especially within the United States, a black community. Some people are expecting at least 13 percent at the very high levels to come out and vote for President Trump. Others are saying it's somewhere between eight and 10 percent. You're saying there needs to be more done. We need to get the message out uh, that the that the Trump administration needs to target those urban communities so that they understand what's really going on here. Yeah, look, I think it's not just the great job done by the president for criminal justice reform, which, by the way, I give Jerry Kushner a huge amount of credit for. This is an issue that I've been talking to the president about for 15 years. I mean, I, I soured on the war on drugs a long time ago because it's costing taxpayers millions. No one is being rehabilitated. Families are being ruined. People's lives are being destroyed over first-time nonviolent crimes that don't hurt anybody but the person charged. They don't make any sense. So uh, it's not just what the president's done. It's got to be done in a, in a comparison to what Joe Biden has done. Let me put on my political strategist hat. I would take five people who are African-Americans, who Donald Trump released from prison and just put them on camera one after another to say, I got a 15-year sentence because I was caught with a quarter an ounce of marijuana in my pocket. Thank you, Joe Biden. The law under which I was incarcerated was pushed and is defended today by Joe Biden. Thank you, President Trump, for justice. That's what I would do. 
And just get the message out overall across the country. And I think that's an important point that you bring up here. I mean, we've seen Candace Owens. We've seen other black leaders in the community, um, especially conservative leaders, speak out and say, wait a minute, the Democratic Party is not what you think. This is a party that does not believe in entrepreneurship, does not believe that you can make it, um, is is just there to give out handouts and is only really there come election time. And then they forget about you later on. Whereas President Trump, we've seen an extraordinary effort by the Trump administration to reach out to communities. And one of those communities is the Latin and the Hispanic community here in the United States, one of the fastest growing communities in the United States. Is there any advice uh, for the White House maybe on that, on outreach towards uh, the Hispanic community here? Well, it's the same thing. Urban radio that reaches millions of African-Americans is a very strong uh, medium in this country. Every major urban center has several radio stations to whom African-Americans listen. In Florida, my home state, Hispanic, Spanish language radio is very powerful. Brad Parscale, if you're listening, you didn't do any of these things in 2016. They will work perfectly in 2020. We can't count on the mainstream media to carry the president's record about record unemployment among African-Americans or record unemployment among Hispanic Americans or record unemployment among women. The mainstream media is going to try to hide those facts. The good news is the president has an extraordinary war chest and an extraordinary record, and those people can be reached extremely efficiently through terrestrial targeted radio. Well, that's an incredible point. And I want to move on really quickly because uh, I really want to get to Joe Biden and the issue that it keeps cropping up over and over again, uh, Roger, with the fact that it appears that he's lost his memory in some cases or he makes kind of these uh, horrible gaffes. I, I, you know, I don't even want to laugh about it because I, I think it's quite serious. I want to play a clip here of Joe Biden. I want to get your take and what you think and maybe how is it possible that he could actually get the Democratic nomination considering that there are so many... There are so many gaffes uh, that he has made, um, and it appears that the Democrats really don't care. They're just going to kind of ignore that and go right over it. Let's play a clip right over here of Joe Biden. You know, it's funny, Sarah, because usually we pride ourselves on being on the same page. There are so many of these that I don't even know which one you want. Let's just start (laughs) with this one. I'm not making these numbers up. Mine or not, let's make everything free for everybody all the time. All tests are free. Free, free, free. All vaccines will be free. That's just one of them. Play number two, please. Biden. They don't call Super Tuesday for nothing. By the way, it's my little sister, Valerie, and I'm Jill's husband. Oh, no, this is a, oh, you switched on me. This is my wife. This is my sister. They switched on me. What do you what do you think's going on here, Roger? I mean, I know you're not a doctor. Well, I mean, I know. I, I, no, look, I, I, I'm really not. But I do remember the Goldwater campaign. So here's the central question. Do we want a man with dementia with his finger on the nuclear button? Because there are many, many signs that this man is not well. In all honesty, instead of running for president, he should be having dinner at 430 at the Golden Corral. 
<laughs> it's past him. His time has passed. Well, I don't know if he wants to eat at the Golden Corral because that's a buffet and we have a lot of issues with infection. So we want to keep we probably want to keep Joe Biden away from the Golden Corral. (laughs) Uh, But any any way you slice it, the man often makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, There's a reason why he's run for president three times and never gotten any votes. But now this is a different question. Uh, There's serious evidence that he's not all there. Uh, And therefore, what the Democrats will now try to do in a general election is hide him. But they won't be able to hide him because he's also an egomaniac. And he always has been. So um, I think it's a legitimate question. This is really simple. If I were the president in the first debate, I would say, Joe, submit yourself for inspection to a team of respected doctors and release their report, because I think we have dementia, but the American people have a right to know. Yeah, it's really it's really fascinating to me, Roger, because I, I think about this. Um, you know, the Democrats, certainly he looks like he is going to be the front runner. He is the front runner right now. He's holding 45 percent of the delegates. We still have many more states to go. I know Sanders is hoping that he'll. He'll eventually overtake Joe Biden. But to back Joe Biden, um, when we can visibly see what's happening with him, uh, is is really bizarre because it would, in a sense, what people are saying here in Washington is that he would be a figurehead president. He wouldn't even really be in charge. Well, you also have uh, the, uh, the entire issue, which we haven't even gotten to yet, of the corruption in China. Now, uh, I know when Ukraine came up, the Biden campaign strategy with their handmaidens in the mainstream media was to simply say, none of that's true. There's no proof. We're not even going to discuss it. That's not going to work. Right. Andrew Biden flew to China on Air Force Two, and weeks later, he and his associates were given $1 billion by a Chinese-controlled bank. No, Joe, you're going to get hammered in the debates. If you try to duck it, Trump will shove it down your throat. How much of a kickback did you get, Joe? How much did you know about this, Joe? The Chinese are many things, but they're not stupid. And they don't give a billion dollars to somebody who has never managed a dollar in their life. It's rank corruption. Joe Biden became a millionaire. How? How he's been a U.S. senator since he was 29 years old. Tell us how you became a multi-millionaire, Joe. You want Trump's tax returns? Let's see your tax returns. Wow. A complete financial statement. Where's the money come from, Joe? That's right. I mean, and this is why Senator Ron Johnson, Senator Chuck Grassley. They're both investigating. They've been investigating this for since last year. So this really is has nothing to do with this election. They've been looking at this since these questions have come up. And it's a very serious question. It's something that the American people should know. And I, you know, and I agree with you. I mean, we got to know what happened here so that it doesn't happen again, because we're looking at all kinds of ethical issues. On top of it, there's probably financial crimes issues. I mean, we don't know that yet, but that's something that they are investigating just to see. And before I let you go, Roger, I really want, you know, a lot of people do, I mean, of course they don't know you. They, they see you on television. They hear you on the radio. They've read all these reports, uh, you know, regarding uh, your case. But they don't know Roger Stone. 
who is Roger Stone? If you're trying, if you're talking to our audience here, they're listening to you right now. Tell us who you are and your friendship with President Trump and what that means. Well, I guess I'm a political outsider like he is. In 1988, we were sitting in his office and he was looking at the New York Times and he said, good Lord, Mike Dukakis and George Bush, is that the best we can do? There's got to be somebody better. And I said, yes, sir, there is. And he said, who's that? And I said, you. And he said, and I quote, you're out of your mind. (laughs) And I said, no, really, because you have the strength and the independence to do this if you wanted to. And every American knows who you are. And this was before The Apprentice. And while he was intrigued, he said, look, I've got bigger mountains to climb in my business. Maybe I consider this down the road, but it's not, I'm just not ready. Uh, and the truth is, the country wasn't ready for a non-politician then. I kind of think 2016 was the time where the man met the times, where the American people were so disgusted by politics and by the political establishment and the mainstream media that's in bed with the political establishment, the corporately owned media that doesn't tell you the truth, which hides the truth. And I think people recognized in Trump somebody who had the intestinal fortitude and the courage and the stamina, who was not tied to any of the mistakes of the past, was totally independent of the mistakes of the past. Uh, I believe for many years he had the capacity to be a great presidential candidate. But he's really exceeded my wildest dreams in terms of being a truly great president. So who is Roger Stone? He's a Trump Republican, not a country club Bush Republican, a Trump Republican who believes it's time for our party to get back to its origins as the party of working people, as the party of civil rights, as the party of prosperity and small business. Donald Trump's doing that in spades. In three years, in my opinion, he will already go down as one of our greatest presidents, even if he wasn't reelected, which he will be. But just given the record so far, particularly in view of the fact that he's had the implacable opposition of the elites of the two parties, the amount that he's gotten done is historic. So I'm proud to identify myself as a Trump Republican. My views have evolved over time. Uh, I I take different positions. For example, there was a time when I was once pro-choice. I am no longer pro-choice. With the birth of my grandchildren and with a little more study of the Bible, I realized I was wrong. Uh, And I'm happy to say that I've changed my mind. Uh, Donald Trump has also evolved. The hand of God, in my opinion, is on him right now. He was put in this place at this time for a specific reason. Here's what I can tell you, knowing him for 40 years. He didn't need to be president. He didn't need this to know who he was or to be important. He was already the best-known businessman on the face of the planet. He already had a multi-billion-dollar business enterprise. He already had a nicer plane than Air Force One. He already had a nicer house than the White House. He didn't do this for himself. He did it for us, and God bless him for it.
Wow, I could not have said anything better. Uh, you really ended this interview on such a high note. Roger, I can't thank you enough for being with us today, for talking to the listeners and talking to you out there, the American people. Thank you so much, Roger. Uh, I look forward to having you back on the show, and congratulations on the birth of your great-grandchild. Sarah, it's great to be with you. I look forward to being back. I tell you one thing, I can't wait to get Roger Stone back on the show where he can talk about the case. I can't wait for that gag order to be lifted by the judge. And by the way, that just takes away his First Amendment rights to be able to talk to people. I mean, look, he's already been sentenced. The only thing now is that they're waiting. So Stone's lawyers basically filed a motion for a mistrial. And they're waiting now for the judge, Judge Berman, to basically, well, This is what everybody thinks. They think that she's going to deny it. And remember, this was based on the juror foreman, forewoman, that basically was uh, never Trumper. Uh, She had a bunch of posts on social media she did not disclose, even regarding Roger Stone himself. So it should be a mistrial. She's a lawyer. She should be disbarred for not telling the truth about what was going on. And now Roger's in a waiting game. So the only option that he really will have left in the end is whether or not President Donald Trump will grant him a pardon so he doesn't have to serve time. And nobody knows. Nobody knows. But I know that a lot of the listeners out there, a lot of people who've been writing me on Twitter have been saying, please, President Trump, pardon Roger Stone. President Trump, please pardon Lieutenant General Mike Flynn. All of these people were wrapped up into this investigation that were around Trump because of the Russia hoax, because of special counsel Robert Mueller's team. They went after something that did not exist. It was a fake, 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 basically disinformation campaign by President Trump's political opponents. Unfortunately, those people were in the FBI and they were in the intelligence community. So this is huge. So I'm going to wrap up this show, folks, because it has been an amazing show. It was a great interview with Roger Stone. I'm so happy that you're with me today. We're in this new, beautiful studio here at Radio America. I'm so excited. If you want to see the studio, go on YouTube. Watch the show on YouTube. Be a subscriber. Uh, It's a whole new thing. We're going to be doing all kinds of interviews right here from the studio, and we're bringing them directly to you, the American people. Thank you again. Follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carter DC. Read the stories at SarahACarter.com. And remember, we are taking the story back, America. Thanks again. God bless.